Somebody say flight school. Come on, you can do better than that. Somebody say flight school. All right. Uh, the reason why we have chosen this, we will explain in a minute as we get further in our study. I want to first begin by telling you this. Each night that we come, we are going to furnish you with a handout like the one I have in my hand. Right now, they're being prepared. And at the end of the service, you will have one of these as well as what we will call a companion flight manual. How many know that the Word of God is the flight manual? That's where we come. We're coming from the Word of God. However, we want you to be able to have the studies. We want you to be able to have the information so that you can study that which the Lord is sharing with us each night. Isn't that a blessing that we're going to try to give you as much information as possible? As much as we can give you, uh, we're going to do the best we can to do that. Also, at the end of every message, we're going to give you a card to make a decision. I believe every time God's Word goes forth, life and death is presented. There's never a time that God speaks that you cannot make a decision on his word. Either you don't make a decision or you do make a decision. A lot of times not making a decision is telling God that you're not going to do what he told you to do. But we are not going to do that. Whatever God's word tells us to do, we're going to do it. Come on, say amen. amen. And so at the end of each service, we're going to do that. Let's get right to it. Let's get right to it. The Lord has shown me that there are 12 truths that will take your spiritual life higher. How many truths did I say, everybody? There are 12 truths and I can't wait to tell you where I found them. So over the next three weeks, we're going to show you 12 essential truths that you need in order to move your walk with God to another level. How many are hungry to go to another level in your walk with God? One of the greatest dangers that you can have spiritually is to get content. Somebody say content. Spiritual contentment is almost spiritual death. The minute you feel like you are okay is the minute that you are not. You must stay hungry. Somebody say stay hungry. The Bible says those that hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. And we want to do that for you. These 12 truths we believe are going to take you higher. So high that you'll be flying. Come on, say amen. I'm not talking about flying like you were flying when you were high back in the day. I'm talking about another high. Come on, say amen. I'm talking about a high that's above the stratosphere. I'm talking about a high above the atmosphere. I'm talking about a high higher than that. And the only person that can take you that high, his name is Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. All right, let's get right into it. Uh, something, and this is just a point of discussion that we want to begin tonight. Something is about to happen in our world. Can you feel that? I feel like something is about to happen. Individuals are trying their best to try to try to explain what they think might happen. I was talking to one of my members the other day who works in the area of finance, and this blew my mind. She said that there are some financial investment experts who are suggesting that in the next three months, now I don't know if this is fear-mongering, I'm not sure if this is, if this is, if this is financial terrorism, you know that exists. Anything to keep people in fear can keep people controlled. And so a lot of times people will use fear in order to control you. That's why they raise the levels of the, ter of the terrorism uh, threat uh, every, every other day to keep people controlled. That's my belief. Truth of the matter is, fear is not a good controller. Love is that which controls. However, check this out. They are predicting that in the next three to six months, we could end up going to a financial depression that we've seen in the 30s. That, that the, econ the economic situation that we're facing in our country right now, we have not even seen... We haven't seen what it really can become. They're predicting this. And most of us are hoping that it gets better. Come on, say amen. Especially those of us who are in Cleveland. I know we really want it to get better because the unemployment rates are sky high here. However, something is about to happen. And I want to suggest to you it's not a financial catastrophe that's coming our way. Uh, others will suggest that it's the violence. We saw that right here in Cleveland. Uh, what's the brother's name? Is it Anthony Sowell? Who killed how many? Was it 11 or more? We don't know. But right here in our backyard, some of y'all live not too far from where it is, we are seeing violence on a whole nother level. And we're not just seeing violence from, you know, and forgive me for saying this, there used to be a stereotype, I'm just going to go here, that said that black folk are not serial killers. As a matter of fact, if you want to do a profile on a serial killer, they usually are white males. But that's not the case. Come on, say it. Y'all want to give me to use another mic? Let me, give me a, is, there, is there a cordless? Oh, this one right here. Oh, okay, there it is. Thank you very much. No, it was a little static in that mic. 
All right. Is that a little better? All right. It said that the, the profile for it, for, and some of y'all thought this too because y'all know how we are and what we say. You know, the minute you hear three or four or five few people dying, you automatically say to yourself, it must be one of them folk. The truth of the matter is the world is getting so wicked now that wickedness is coming from everywhere. Parents are killing their children. Children are killing their parents. Fathers are molesting their children. Uh, I like this statement here. It says, it should not hurt to be a child. But living in this generation, all too often we are seeing that part, a prerequisite for being a child in this day and age is to be hurt. The statistics are now saying that almost five out of ten children will at some point have been sexually molested. That's not even talking about verbal abuse or, or, or psychological abuse. We are living in a world where I feel like something is about to happen. And then we've seen the wars and violence. Every day we look at the news and there's bloodshed everywhere. And we see so much of it that we're numb to it now. To hear about a car bomb going off or some one-man suicide going in and killing 30 people doesn't even shock our senses anymore because it happens so frequently. But we've got to remember that all these things are happening for a reason. I think something is about to happen. Somebody say something is about to happen. And then over in Haiti, we just recently saw this. How many, how many still remember what happened in Haiti? Uh, they're still down there struggling with it. We're here living in the plus United States, so we haven't had anything happen to us like that, especially in this area of the country. But the fact of the matter is, what happened in Haiti is another indication that something is about to happen. Somebody say something is about to happen. Now, all too often, this is the response. I want y'all to look at the screen. This is the response of most folk who see what's going on in our world. They see no, evil, see no evil, they hear no evil, and they don't want to speak it. The minute you start talking about that the world is getting worse, people don't even want to hear it. Uh, much like when I was a kid, they, they used to, I, I used to hate the idea of the end of the world because I wanted to get married. I wanted to be able to grow up. I wanted to be able to experience the good things of life. And even though I'm not a child anymore, sometimes I find myself, like many of us, not necessarily looking forward to the bad news that the Bible predicts is going to happen. But the truth of the matter is, the bad news is nothing but a setup for the good news. And so this is what we do. We put our heads in the sand. We cover our ears up. We don't want to hear it. We just want to hear peace and safety. The world is going to be a better place. The financial blessings are going to come. We love to hear the preachers talk about how our miracle is on the way. The popular preaching in the United States right now is prosperity preaching. We want people to tell us if we just touch five people, then we're going to be a millionaire. We want people to tell us that if we claim a certain text, then prosperity is going to come our way. We love to hear that we're the head and not the tail. But I want to tell you something. There is something even more important in the Bible that we need to be mindful of. And it's time for us to take our hands off our ears and open up our eyes to the reality of the world that we are living in. Somebody say something is about to happen. 2 Peter chapter 3 gives us a warning. I want you to read this with me. The Bible says, first of all, together, Bible says, first of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own desires. Now, talk back to me. We're a Bible class. What's a scoffer? When I scoff at you, if somebody says to me today, it's going to rain tomorrow, and I scoff them, what am I doing? I'm mocking them. I, I am deliberately suggesting that whatever they said is not going to happen. A scoffer is a mocker. A scoffer is one who emphasizes deniability. It will not happen. And notice what the Bible says. One of the signs, I want you to check this. Look at the text. One of the signs of the last days is that people will actually scoff at what the word of God has said will happen. It's not that bad. Jesus hadn't come yet. And I begin to find out, and this is the only reason why we're doing this teaching over the next three weeks. People are no longer talking about the coming of Jesus. People are not thinking about the coming of Jesus. 
We are a pleasure-driven generation, and our, and our idea about a coming Jesus frightens most of us to the point where we don't want to hear it. The Bible says, first of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. Verse 4, together the Bible says, they will say, where is this coming he promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Come on, tell the truth. Don't we feel like that? Come on, Jesus said that he was coming well over 2,000 years ago. Where is he? And it's almost like since he hadn't come yet, let's put this whole idea on the back burner and let's focus on other spiritual things. There are two principles I want to point out real quick before we move forward. There is what you call the urgent, somebody say the urgent, and the important. Let me give you an example. If you knew tonight that somebody was coming to rob you, kill you, rape you and your children, set your house on fire. Also, you knew that tomorrow you had a job interview that you needed to prepare for. And in preparation for that, you needed to get your hair done, and you needed to get your nails done, and you needed to make sure your suit was, was taken out of the cleaners. Let me ask you a question. Which, which, which would, would drive us the urgent or the important? Well, the important is I have an interview tomorrow. But the urgent is tonight somebody's coming to destroy me and my family. I want to suggest to you tonight that the Word of God has principles that are not only important, but principles that are urgent. I'll say that one more time. There are principles in the word of God that are important and there are principles in the word of God that are urgent. What is the urgent of the Bible? The urgent of the Bible is the most imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are some things that don't matter right now simply because I need to get ready for the most, most urgent event, which is the coming of our Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? Watch this further. Bible says that, uh, but they deliberately did what? When you deliberately forget, you choose not to know what's going on. Put your head in the sand. That long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of the water and by water together. But these waters also, the world of that time, was deluged and what? Talk about Noah. God said it's going to rain and what happened to everybody? It rained. By the same word, the present heavens and the earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not forget this one thing. Watch this. Dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. I love this. <laughs> As some understand slowness, he is, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. If you believe the word of God, let me hear you say amen. amen. So let's backtrack for a minute there. The Bible is telling us that, listen, God, uh, in relationship to time, if he says he's coming and it's taken 2,000 years, guess what? For God, it's only been two days. Furthermore, he goes on to say that the reason why he warns us of this is that he's not willing that any of us should perish. But he wants all of us to come to repentance. This is one of the things I like about my God. My God will do whatever he has to do to make sure we're saved. There is not going to be one person at the day of judgment who can say God did not pull out every stop to make sure that we are saved. Our God is so desperate and so in love with us that he will make every provision for us to be able to inherit eternal life. Would you say amen? He wants us all to come repentance, but we must not deliberately forget what he said. Now, what's important? It's important to get married. But what's urgent? It's urgent to get ready for his coming. It's important to do well financially. But what's urgent? It's more urgent to, be, to get your funds ready to give away so that you'll be ready for the return of Jesus. 
It's important to, to be successful in your career. But what's urgent is that there may be a day coming where there'll be no careers available for you because you're trying to get ready for the coming of our Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying in here today? We, if you focus on the urgent, the important will take care of itself. There are three end of days. You know, some people say, well, what if the Lord does not come? What if he doesn't come? You know, what, I mean, he hadn't come. You know, and I don't know how many years. What if he doesn't come? There's a possibility, and I don't want to lie to anybody tonight. There's a possibility that the Lord may not come for another 100 years. It's possible. I don't believe that it's going to happen, but it's possible. People 200 years ago believed that the Lord was coming. I, it's possible that the Lord could delay his coming. But let me introduce to you another concept of the end of days. Somebody say the end of days. There are three end of days. There are three of them. The first one is death. So if God doesn't come for another hundred years, guess what's going to happen? You might, you're going to die before that time comes. So the end of days can come for you before Jesus comes. Uh, the second end of days is spiritual death. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 4 and verse 30, uh, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. To grieve the Holy Spirit is when we tell God no so often that we will get to a point where we cannot say yes. Now, you just missed something serious there, brothers and sisters. When, we, when God gives a command and we don't obey him, we are making it more difficult for us to say yes the next time God comes. That's why God says, now is the time of salvation. So, so hear what I'm saying to you now. Many of us will get to a place where we have rejected God's word so often that we will begin to silence the voice of our God. The Bible calls this in Matthew, the 12th chapter, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Hebrews uh, chapter 6, verse 4 through 6, and I'll give you this reference tonight, says that once you have been enlightened by the gospel, once you have come into a knowledge and you turn away, the Bible says it's almost impossible to return back to the Lord. That's why you ought to do what you got to do right now. <laughs> don't worry about if he's coming tomorrow. You don't know whether you'll be here tomorrow. <laughs> The third one is the obvious thing. He might come when you least expect him. If you look throughout the scriptures, uh, the illustration that God uses of his coming is the same illustration I used earlier. He said his coming will be like a thief in the night. The bottom line is most of us, the Bible says the son of man does not even know the day of his own coming. We don't know when he's going to come and it's going to be a surprise to all of us. But it will be a pleasant surprise to those of us who are being ready for his return. Would you say amen? Now, let's dig this a little bit deeper. What are the signs of his coming? Luke 21 says, there will be signs in the sun. Come on together. The moon and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the... Go ahead. Men will faint from... Come on, somebody. Are we not seeing this right now? They're fainting from what? Terror is another word for fear. We are living in a terror-filled world. The Bible says this is an indication that Jesus is coming. And what else is it? The Bible says they are what? Of what is coming on the world. Uh, continuing, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. In other words, there will be catastrophic, climactic events to happen in the natural realm of life. Earthquakes and wars and rumors of wars. We're seeing this. At the time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and with what? With great glory. When these things begin to take place, the Bible says, stand up. Somebody say stand up. And do what? And lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Oh, somebody say amen. In other words, if we are in relationship with Christ, what is being in relationship with Christ? That Bible tells us that if we love him, John 15, we ought to keep his commandments. When we are in love with Jesus, we do, we do the things that please him. And so that when all the bad stuff happens around the world and everybody else is getting afraid, we're actually getting excited because we know that our redemption is drawing nigh. Now, let me say this. Redemption is not a Bentley. Redemption is not a 3,000-square-foot house. Redemption is not a six-figure job. 
Redemption is not being popular. But if you study societal norms, the number one thing that people are concerned about is economic security. But I want to tell you right now, our focus should not be on our security. The Bible says don't even worry about your security. He says don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink. Matthew 6.33 says, but seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. In other words, the person whose relationship with Jesus, when they obey him, they can trust God no matter what will happen to them. And the times that we are pressing close to are times where the Bible says money will be thrown in the streets, according to Isaiah. You ain't seen nothing yet. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm going to decide tonight. Y'all pray for the preacher. I'm going to decide tonight to say the very opposite of what 90% of television preachers are telling you. You know what that is? I'm going to decide tonight to tell you that it's not going to get better. The Bible does not say it's going to get better. The Bible says it's going to get worse. But for the Christian, worse is better. Because worse says, I'm getting ready to go home. Worse says, I'm getting ready to see my Lord. Because we're not so wrapped up in what's going on down here. We're more caught up in what's going on up there. Oh, I hope you're hearing me today, beloved. Word of God goes on to say, he told them this parable. He said, look at the, come on now, look at the what? And all the what? When they, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is what? Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. I tell you the truth. This generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away. I love this. But my words, somebody say my words. Somebody say his words will never pass away. Look, now notice, now notice what the Lord is doing. He's saying, listen, I have, a, I have a strong suspicion, and it's more than a suspicion when you God, because you know it's the truth. Come on, say amen. But just for the sake of human anecdotal flavor tonight, I believe that the Lord has a sneaky suspicion that there might be some folk who might forget or not want to believe that when he says he's coming, he's actually coming. He already knows there's going to be a generation of people who are going to be lulled to sleep by worldliness. So you know what he says? He says, let me, let me remind you of something. You're talking to the person whose words never pass away. Bottom line is this. What God says is going to happen, is going to happen. What God says will come to pass, will come to pass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. If you were to have confidence in anything tonight, you need to have confidence that what God said is going to go down, is going to go down. Now watch what he says. He says, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, fear, drunkenness. Drunkenness, first he says fear. You'll be afraid. Then drunkenness. Drunkenness is when you're so caught up in what's going on around you that you lose your spiritual equilibrium. You're distracted. And then he says, and the anxieties of life. One preacher says paying the bills. Some of us are so caught up in our jobs and our busy lives and what we're doing that if the Lord were to come tonight, that's what they used to say back in the old days. Well, if, if Jesus were to come tonight, how many of us would be ready? If Jesus were to come tomorrow, how many of us would be ready? The question really for us tonight is, is are we really caught up in what God is doing or are we caught up in our lives down here? And that day, the Bible says, we'll close on you unexpectedly like a trap. Now, God ain't trying to trap us, but because of where our focus is, we're going to get trapped and caught up unawares when he comes. Somebody say focus. 
We have got to remember, and listen, I'm not saying that we ought to sell everything we have and run to the hills. What I am telling you is that uh, there is a way to keep your eyes focused on what God is doing and what he said is going to happen and focus on what you're doing now here. That's why the Bible says, occupy until he comes. In other words, work until he comes, but don't forget he's coming. Bible says, for it will come upon all those who live on the face of the what? Come on, talk to me now. What? The whole earth. Be always on the and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Amazingly, you listen to folk on television. You listen to the popular preaching now. And 90% of it is about what your life can be like right now. As a matter of fact, people want you to tell them, Pastor, I, I know Jesus is coming soon, and, and, and evangelist, I know, I know that the Lord is coming, but, 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 I, but tell me what's going, what's going to help me out right now. We want, we want a rent-paying God. Come on, say amen. We want a sugar daddy God. Come on, say amen, somebody. Come on, be honest in here. We want a God that'll pay our bills. Come on now, I believe the Lord will take care of you. Come on, say amen. How many know he will make a way out of no way? How many know he will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory? But the focus of the Bible is not on making Christians rich and happy and comfortable on planet Earth. The Bible's focus is not that. As a matter of fact, did you realize that one out of every 25 verses in the Bible refers to the second return of Jesus? Oh, y'all didn't hear that in here. One out of every 25 verses, Jesus is saying, I'm coming. Jesus is saying, you better get ready. Now, I just want to pause for a moment and give you a celebration point. Isn't that an awesome God? Uh, I, I, you know, I remember when I first got married, I was, uh, my wife was in Nashville going to Meharry Medical School, and I was pastoring a church in Huntsville, Alabama. That's 90 minutes away from where I live, but I was a newlywed. Come on, say amen, somebody. And my senior pastor said to me, listen, brother man, he says, uh, you come down here Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. He said, but, but why don't you just spend the night while you're down here? He says, don't go back and forth up the roads. You're going to waste a lot of gas money. You're going to put a lot of miles on your car. But how many know that uh, when you're a newlywed, come on, say amen, somebody. Oh, come on, pray with me in here tonight. See, some of y'all been gone from that, uh, those memories for so long, y'all don't even know what I'm talking about in here. Help them, Lord. Help them, Father. Help them to give one, one glimpse, one little memory that they had from back in the day. But I told that man, I said, listen, I appreciate your suggestion, but every night I tell my wife, I'm coming home. Come on, say amen. Hey, listen, even if I had to drive three hours a day, it doesn't matter. I'm coming home. And the good news about my God is he's so desperate to be with us. He loves being in our presence so much. This is, see, all the bad stuff that's going to happen before the Lord comes is just God's way of getting us sick and tired of the man we're with now called Satan. So we we'll really want the man that we're supposed to be with named Jesus. The focus. Somebody say the focus. You better get this tonight. The focus. Someone say the focus. The focus of the Bible, say the focus of the Bible. The focus of the Bible is the second coming of Jesus, period. Nothing else is more important. Nothing else matters more. The number one thing that Jesus wants us to know from Genesis to Revelation is, I'm on my way. Who says amen to the word of God? 2 Timothy 3, watch what the Bible says. Actually, read it with me. Together, the Bible says, but mark this, there will be terrible times. Now, now uh, hopefully y'all believe it now. I done read about four or five scriptures to, to you telling you that it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. Look at your neighbor and tell them it's going to get worse. Tell them it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. He says, there will be terrible times in the last days. Now, I like, I like how the Bible pictures it now. It says, people... Now, if y'all if y'all can agree with some of the stuff you hear in here, say, well, because it says people will be what? Lovers of themselves. Well, lovers of money. Well, boastful. Well, proud. As you got to, you, if you say well, you got to step on your own toe there, because all of us are proud. Abusive, Lord have mercy. Disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful. 
unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control. Oh, you're not done yet, Timothy? Paul's trying to tell Timothy he ain't finished yet. Paul says, brutal. Oh, I, heard, I heard of the most brutal thing the other day. Let me, let me just freeze screen for a minute. Um, I can't stop thinking about it. This evangelist from Alabama who his wife had been missing for I don't know how long. While he was in the midst of preaching a revival, the Federal Bureau of Investigation came and got him and they found his wife cut up in the freezer. The preacher. <laughs> and he was black. Y'all know how we are? Y'all, yeah, we, we don't do that kind of stuff. Listen, we all crazy. <laughs> One of the things I've learned not, what, not to do is say, I will never. You're almost inviting the devil to tempt you with everything. I'll say, by the grace of God, if the Lord is on my side, if his grace covers me today, and what else, what else kind of folk do we have in these last days? The Bible says treacherous. We talked about that yesterday. Treacherous folk. Families backstabbing one another. Oh, I was watching one of them crazy shows the other day. The, the, the mother was sleeping with the, with the daughter's boyfriend. and I mean, just all kind of treacherous. Rash. Conceited. Lovers of pleasure. There we go. There we go. There we go, y'all. We'll go pack out a football game, watch three, four hours of television, but can't find folk praying. Nobody will study the Bible. Can't get no, I'll talk, I'll preach to the pulpit because ain't nobody else listening to me. We'll watch movies all, all, all hours of the day, television programs, recorded DVRs. I said, we're definitely living in a new generation. We were on our way out somewhere the other day, and, my, and I told my kids, I said, you got to turn that off. We're ready to go. And they said, uh, well, we'll just pause it. I said, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> That's where we are now. <laughs> you know, back in the day, you know, if it's time to go, you, can, you just have to catch the program when the reruns, two years from that. It's recorded so that when you don't have time to watch it, you can make time for it. Lord, have mercy. We love pleasure, and we'll spend money for it. We got family members that need financial help, and we're paying $300 a month for cable and internet and everything else. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And then here's a big one. Having a form of godliness but denying its power, having nothing to do with them. The sign of the last days. Let's look through the book of Matthew, and then we're going to look at these points, and we're going to close. Matthew 24, Jesus lays out to his disciples very clearly what to expect. And so the disciples came to him together. The disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? The Bible says that Jesus told them there will be nations coming against nations. Matthew 24, verse 3 says, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And the Bible says there, together, for a nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. Strange places. Places that earthquakes not supposed to happen. I, can't, I don't know when the last time they had an earthquake in California. All of us, yeah, they, I had a chance, to, uh, I had a job opportunity in uh, California a couple of years ago. And the number one reason why I did not go outside of the economy is just because the ground's too shaky. But it had been, I don't know, I mean, there had been a major earthquake over there in some years. But there have been earthquakes in places where it's not supposed to be earthquakes. And I just got to remind myself, the Lord said this was going to happen. Come on, say amen. War everywhere. Come on, somebody. Do y'all remember when this happened? The day after that, it was a Tuesday. I remember the day after that, church was packed. You can't normally get folk to come to no Wednesday night church. Church was packed. Because of the tragedy of 9-11, war everywhere, We've got military police on our streets after Katrina. Got folk in Iraq, Afghanistan, North Korea is flaming at us. 
dead bodies and carnage is carried almost every day. This is the world we're living in. And this brother right here just threatens us and nobody responds. We must, he must be willing to back up what he's going to say. Amazes me. Uh, we, we hear one rumor about something in Afghanistan and we send a thousand troops over there. This brother right here has said, if y'all come near the DMV, what is it called? The DM, DMZ. He said, I will blow you away. And ain't nobody fooling with him. And in a minute, he'll push a nuclear weapon. Wait, do you see what world we're living in? Nuclear warfare always being threatened. Child soldiers. I read an article the other day in, uh, in Darfur, in Sudan. They are, they are kidnapping little boys ages 5, five to 10. They are, they are getting them hooked and addicted to drugs so that they then could be used as child soldiers. One of their first lines of initiation is to rape pregnant women. They got to find a way to break, break them psychologically so they'll have them to rape their mother or their sister. This is all happening while we sit down watching the Super Bowl. Jesus is coming. Come on, say amen. People are walking and starving for food while we're sleeping in comfortable beds at night and falling asleep in church. People are looking for something to eat. The word of God has prophesied all this. 1 Thessalonians 5, 3 says together, for when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes among them. Now listen, I'm not here to pick on nobody, but you listen to the preaching. Listen to the preaching. Listen to the preaching that you're hearing. You know what the preaching that you're hearing now is saying? Peace and safety. Your blessing's on the way. Your miracle's coming. Just so I saw one brother on TV the other day. He said, just give me $1,000 and all your problems will be solved. I'm about to just mail you this cloth that I have anointed with oil. Now I figure, why should I pay $50 for, for a rag that you bought from Walmart that you poured Crisco oil on so I can get a miracle when I can just call on his name? Come on in here, somebody. I ain't falling for that foolishness, but these are the signs of the times. Everywhere you are, there's fear for what's going to happen. I was driving here today, and I, you know, I kind of, you know, I was going kind of fast. And uh, I, cut, I cut a brother off a little bit too much. Uh, he was at a stop sign, and I got a little too close to him. And he paused and looked at me like he was about to make a U-turn. And I want you to know that I increased the speed. I think there was a stop sign there. I don't remember, but I kept it moving. Come on, say amen. Look, I ain't crazy now. Listen, I'm not going to sit up there and try to, try to be big and bad with some folk in there. These folk now, for cutting them off, will take out a gun and blow your brains out. Famines. <laughs> Matthew 24, 7 says, there will be famines. Food shortages in 38 countries while we throwing plates of food away. Come on, say amen. There was a book written by a brother named Ronald Sider, Christian theologian, Rich Christians. The name of his book is Rich Christians in an Age of Hunger. Folk out there, while we, I mean, we, we can eat off an EBT card to fill us up for a year. And just one child in some of these countries is starving for a half of a French fry. Starvation, 57 million people die per year because they don't have anything to eat. 156,000 die per day because they are of starvation. Today's population, 60% are malnourished. 20% will end up starving. Pestilences. We're going to talk about this. Diseases is what a pestilence is. Somebody say disease. Now, black folk, I'm, I'm going, I don't know what night it is. Uh, I know it's not this week, but we're going to talk about health this week. Do you know that disease is a part of the sign of the second coming of Jesus Christ? Diabetes and all this stuff is an indication to us that Jesus is coming. But God gives us a remedy on how to get ready for his coming so that we don't die early. Luke 21 and verse 25 says, together, upon the earth, the stress of nations with what? Perplexity. There will be what? And what? And what? In various places. Uh, and most of us, it ha we have to wait till we get here to for before we start thinking seriously about eating a half of a vegetable. About drinking a half of a glass of water. And I can't wait to talk about health this week. Some of us are just making dumb decisions as it relates to our bodies. And God is not pleased. The Bible says if we destroy this temple, God himself will destroy. The body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And the plagues are numerous. AIDS and malaria and syphilis and gonorrhea and cholera and the like. Simply because we have not obeyed the commands of our God. 
The World Health Organization predicts 40 million cases of HIV by this time. It's already happening. Here's an AIDS victim right here. And that's not in Africa. That's right here in the United States of America. Unrest of nature. The Bible says, verse 25 of Luke 21, and there will be what? Signs in the what? And in the what? And in the what? And on the what? And distress of what? With perplexity, the sea and waves roaring. Tsunami. How many people were killed in that tsunami? 250,000. That's half of the, of the city of Cleveland. Now, greater Cleveland is like 4 million. They say about 400,000, 500,000 live in Cleveland. That's half of Cleveland dying in less than an hour. It's a blessing to be in the United States. But guess what? It's coming here eventually. The mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Did it not happen in New Orleans? Now, I, and I lived down south. I was at New Orleans every other, And I was just, I couldn't believe that New Orleans was underwater. He's coming. Dead bodies floating in the water. This is Nashville, Tennessee. Not, not, not a mile away from my house that I still have down there. The floods are overtaking us. Nature is in unrest. The mouth of the Lord has spoken it. The moral conditions at the end of time are going to get worse. And we read this. People are going to be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful and unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control. This is what we are seeing. Treacherous and rash. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having the form but denying the power of God. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.13, evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But another sign of the second coming of Jesus is the gospel going forward. The Bible says, y'all read this, the Bible says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be what? In all the what? And as a what? To all the nations. And then the end will come. Revelation 14, 6 says, I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven. Now, I want to show you deep uh, further what the enemy has up his sleeve to get us to be unready. False prophets. Lord, I, I wish I had a little time tonight. False prophets prophesying in the last days. Now, everybody's a prophet now, if you notice that. If you grew up, if you were down south like I was, at least pro one prophet in every family. Everybody want to prophesy over you. I got a word for you. <laughs> Shut up. Ain't nobody want to. Everybody got a word. Listen, I got enough word right in here. I ain't living. I don't need your word as well. Verse 4 of chapter 24 says, take, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the, and will do what? They will deceive many for false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive. If possible, even the elect. In other words, the deception in the last days is going to be so believable that unless you are wrapped up, tied up, and tangled up in Jesus Christ, you will be deceived yourself. It says, if possible. And I want to tell you right now, an elect person is not somebody who has a lot of Bible knowledge. An elect person is somebody that knows Jesus. I know folks that got a lot of Bible knowledge, but don't do what God tells them to do. 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen says, for such are false what? And what? Deceitful what? Transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. Lord, and now watch this here. Lord, help me, Lord. And no wonder the, the, the devil's so desperate to deceive us. The Bible says, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. In the last days, the devil himself is going to show up. When, when his cronies ain't doing the job, he's going to step out and say, let me, let me do it myself. Some of y'all didn't even know that was in the Bible. But here is the good news that we're going to close on. The book of Revelation. 
The book that the devil doesn't want us to study. The book that the devil don't want the preachers to preach from is the very book that God has given us as a flight manual. Come on in here, somebody. <laughs> See, the enemy is trying to keep us grounded, but God is trying to take us higher. And so what God does is Jesus himself writes a book. Can we take a look at this as we get ready to close? Revelation 1. Now, notice now, the book of Revelation is the last book of the Bible but it is specifically about Jesus. Revelation is more about Jesus than any other book in the Bible, but people don't know that. Watch this here. The Bible says, the revelation of who? Not of confusion, not of scary beasts, not the revelation of deep things that nobody's supposed to understand, not the revelation of boring stuff in the Bible, the revelation of who? Of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his what? Now look at the focus of what must soon take place. The book is here to get you ready for what's about to take place. Lord, Lord, help them to hear this word tonight. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the what? The word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Verse 3, blessed is the one Mm, 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 mm. who reads the words of this prophecy. Y'all better hear me. This is the only book of the Bible where there's a blessing proclaimed on the person that reads it. Now, don't, don't get me wrong here. You're blessed if you read the word. Come on, say amen. So if you're already blessed, if you take in God's word, then, then there must be a double blessing for the folk who read Revelation. Come on in here. He said, let me just also note that if you read this book, that you will be blessed. He said, blessed are those who what? And take to what? What is written in it because the time is near. That's the second reference to the coming of the Lord that we've heard already. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and... Are y'all seeing what I'm saying? The focus is the coming of the Lord. And watch, it goes even further than that. Uh, it says, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. To him be what? And what? For how long? Amen. And notice, he says, but I don't want you to forget. Look, again, this is the third reference in the opening chapter. He is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. How many references to the coming of the Lord have we seen already in the opening chapter of Revelation? Tell me. How many? Three already. Now, the number three in the Bible is a powerful number. Symbolically, it expresses the presence of God. Three is a reference to the presence of God. And anytime there's a reference to the presence of God, then there is divine movement. Oh, y'all not hearing me in here. So when three shows up, that means God's movement or activity will follow. So he said, I got to start this book off saying three times I'm coming, which is to say the culmination of the book of Revelation is the coming of the Lord. Would you say amen? Now notice this. In the last chapter of the book of Revelation, chapter 22, it does it again. He says, behold, I'm coming soon. He says, behold, this is verse 12, I'm coming soon. My reward is what? And I will give to everyone according to what he has and then he says it again in verse 20. Yes, I like if you didn't hear me the first time. Yes, I know your question. Yes, I, I know. Yes. I'm coming soon. Oh, oh, thank you, Lord. I must, okay, let me close this thing out here. Lord, have mercy. Revelation. Now, for your notes tonight, and, and, and we'll make this available to you. Flight school. The Lord showed me that the book of Revelation is 
is the creme de la creme of flight preparation instructions for, war, for taking spiritual flight in these days. All right? Revelation 14, get this now. This is the heavy stuff here. Revelation 14 is, <laughs> is, the, is, is the creme de la creme de la creme of specific, someone say specific, of specific instructions on what one needs to know in order to be ready. Let me tell you what I found out. I found out that there are 12 truths in, the chap in Revelation, the 14th chapter, that explicitly tell us how to get ready for the coming of Jesus. And for the next three weeks, we're going to look at each one truth each night. Watch this here. Revelation, the 14th chapter, is led by angels. What do angels do? Come on, somebody. What, what do angels do? So when we talk about flight school, we ain't talking about no airplane. We're talking about the ones that were flying before there was an airplane. If anybody's going to teach us how to fly, it ought to be an angel. Come on, say amen in here. So the Lord, as I was reading the book of Revelation, I said, Lord, you're taking me to school. And the angels are showing me how to go spiritually higher and fly. Can I share them with you tonight as we close? Revelation's flying angels teach us about flying high spiritually. In the book of Revelation, angels represent God's people. Did you know that? Angels the word equals messengers. Let's take a look at it. Revelation 14, 6 through 12. The Bible says, then I saw another what? Doing what? Flying in midair. The first truth that we're going to be teaching is God has a big plan and purpose for your life. The flying angel represents where God wants you to be. He wants your walk with him to be high. Next, then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal what? The second truth we're going to understand is that God has good news for this miserable life on earth. The gospel is good news. Somebody say it's good news. Revelation 14, 6 through 12, verse 6 again. Then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on, on the earth. The third thing we're going to understand is that God has saved your life. The good news is that God saved your wretched self. Let's keep moving. Uh, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. And he said in a loud voice, fear God and do what? Because the hour of his judgment has come. Now watch this. The key phrase there is fear God and give him glory. The fourth truth that's in the book of Revelation, the 14th chapter is, God wants your life to do what? To be one that does what? 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 31 says, Whatever you eat, whatever you drink, or whatever you do, it ought to be done to the glory of God. In the last days, God is looking for people who don't cut spiritual corners. They don't, they don't just give God their church attendance, but they give God Monday, they give God Tuesday, they give God what they do behind closed doors, they give God what they think in their minds, they give God what they eat, they give God what they drink, they give God who they date, they give God where they live. Are you hearing me? They give God what car they drive, they give God what clothes they wear, because in the last days that God wants the people to give him glory. Bible says his judgment has what? Has come. The fifth truth that we're going to be teaching is God is judging your life. See, if you don't understand that, your spiritual life won't go to the next level. The idea that God is judging your life is not bad news. You know what that tells you? That tells you that God is interceding for your sorry self. That when you don't have time to pray for yourself, you have a God in heaven right now that's praying for you, praying for your children, praying for your situation, praying for your health, praying for your salvation, praying for your marriage, praying that you'll make the right decision, praying that you'll surrender your life to him. You serve a God that's on your side. And the Bible says he is your advocate. The Bible says he is your intercessor. The Bible says he is your mediator. But unless you recognize what he's doing on your behalf, then you might not get caught up when he comes again. 
I can't wait to preach on the judgment. The judgment makes you look at yourself. When you see what he's doing, then you got to look at what you're doing. And then the Bible's next command to us, this is all in Revelation chapter 14. It says, worship him. Number five, God is calling you back to true worship. And I want to make very clear what true worship is as it is according to the Bible. You cannot go to another level spiritually when you don't value what true worship is. And we're going to be teaching on what that is. And then the Bible says, a second angel fallen and said, fallen, fallen is Babylon. The sixth truth that we're going to teach you is God is calling you out of confusion in this life. You can't go high spiritually if you are in confusion. The word Babylon comes from the word Babel, where from where we get the word you're babbling, which is to suggest that somebody's talking in a confusing way. Babylon represents spiritual confusion. But in order to fly high spiritually, God has got to give you clarity as to what is truth and what is not. Bible says, and the third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, if any man worship, anyone worships the beast and receives his what? And receives and in his image and receives his mark on the forehead or on the hand. We're also going to be teaching number seven, flight truth number seven. God is calling you to an eternal commitment. Whether you are sealed or marked will determine where your eternal commitment is. I can't wait to teach on Revelation, the 20th chapter. That's my favorite chapter in the Bible. Verse 10, he too will drink of the wine of the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength in the cup of his wrath. He will be, uh, I'm sorry, he will be tormented with what? Burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the lamb. The eighth truth we're going to look at is that God wants to forever end sin in your life and in this world. In order to talk about hell, you got to talk about heaven. And there's confusion about, about both. Your focus ought not be on hell. You know why? Because you don't plan on going there. I remember a buddy of mine came and preached at a family reunion of, us, of ours, and the title of his sermon was, Tell Hell I'm Not Coming. <laughs> the Bible says that hell was created for the devil and his angels. But hell serves a purpose. It's to rid the world of sin. But before hell comes, God wants to send the fire of purification in your life so that sin is out of your life. Bible says this calls for the patient endurance on the part of the saints who do what everybody who do what everybody who will do do what everybody who do what everybody who do what everybody uh, do what who obey God's commandments and remain faithful to Jesus number nine we're going to show you that God has a faithful people who will overcome. But these are not people that do what they want, when they want, how they want. They are people that are faithful to the commandments of God and obey God's law, all of it. All this is in Revelation 14, 16 through 12. Then I heard a voice from heaven say, right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. The 10th truth we're going to learn is God gives us hope to, to the faithful even in death. And I'm going to teach you on the false doctrine of death that is so prevalent in our churches. You might die. It's good to know where you're going to go. But the question is, when are you going to go there? Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor for their deeds will follow them. Will follow them where? <laughs> Number 11, we're going to talk about a place that God has prepared for us where we can live forever. I think we ought to talk about heaven. Elder Tate said, he said, if you're going, if you're going to get on a flight, you ought to know your destination. Now, depending on where you're flying, will depend on your destination. We got to talk about heaven if we plan on going there. Come on, say amen, somebody. Then the Bible says in Revelation 14, 13, and I looked and there before me was a white cloud. And seated on the cloud was one like a son of man with a crown of gold on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. And another angel came out of the temple and called in a loud voice to him who was sitting on the cloud. Take your sickle and reap because the time to reap has come. For the, earth, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who was seated on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was harvested. Actually, this should be number 12. God is ready 
to take your life higher right now because he's coming soon. Let us bow our heads for prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we are preparing ourselves for your soon return, we want to be ready. I ask you, Father, right now, as we are challenged by your word, that we will not allow fear to cause us not to follow Jesus in every way he asks of us. Tonight, God, we want to go higher. We want our walk with you to be so high that when you call us to get caught up where you are, that God will already be used to being up there because spiritually we're already there. You've got to empty of us of self and sin. And as we study the word over the next few weeks, we pray for the courage to do what God wants and trust that it will take us higher than we've ever believed. It is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to ask the ushers if they will come forward at this time.